Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, at Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter number 10. I'd like to read responsibly four verses of Scripture, verses 16 through 19 I refer to, and I will read verses 16 and 18, and would you read with me, please, verses 17 and 19 in unison. Again, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 16 to 19, and if you're able to stand once again, if you'd like to stand, I invite you to stand in respect to the reading of the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 16 through 19, and reading responsively. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in the due season for strength and not for drunkenness. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, take this one particular verse this morning and apply it to our hearts and lives this day, and we'll thank you for it. Pray, as always, that you'd be with those that need to receive Christ as their Savior, whether it be adult or children in children's church in a few moments. Speak to our hearts through the preaching of thy mighty word, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. You may be seated. I'll open her for our message this morning here, and uh, I love you. I tried to say that in the beginning of the service. It didn't go over too well, but I love you, and you love me. Amen. 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 There you go. Now, I want you to enjoy the message this morning. Uh, I will have a message that's hopefully will help you and hopefully uh, maybe step on a, your spiritual toes, possibly. But I want you to enjoy it and say it was good to be in the house of the Lord, to be fed to the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 this morning. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, choir. The, yeah, choir, thank you for that as well. Thank you, ladies, young trio. Thank you, Caleb. I hope I didn't forget anybody. And I'm glad that you're here. This is high vacation week, of course, but all they're, they're all high vacation weeks in the summertime, of course, aren't they? We understand that. We did have a few extra in the 815 service. And as, once again, for the last time, I'm glad that you're here this morning. Verses 16 and 17 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 are not what we're going to preach on this morning, but it's good to have a good king as opposed to a noble king, as opposed to an uh, ignoble or to a, uh, a king that's, uh, or a leader, whether it be in the country, whether it be in the state, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the house, a leader that's noble. Verse 19, it's an interesting verse. Of course, Ecclesiastes is written as a man's, from a man's perspective as the preacher under the sun, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And so the Bible says, but money answers all things. The Bible says that money is a defense. And there's a lot of truth in that. Money answers many things, but not all things, of course. And that's a great verse, and it could be explained. But we want to look at a, as many of these verses, especially in this chapter. It seemed to be an abstract verse and might not make sense. Our text verse, however, is verse number 18. It will be there for the whole balance of the message. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. Through much idleness, or excuse me, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. 
This message was born on Saturday night, eight days ago, and I got uh, added to on Sunday morning last Sunday. Most everyone knows that I was on vacation for two weeks or nine days and missed two Sundays, and last Sunday night, uh, or last Saturday night, excuse me, we, uh, well, let me back up to Friday. We were with our family vacation, family reunion time, once every three years in uh, Pigeon Forge, or actually Gatlinburg, Tennessee. If you haven't been there, it's a beautiful place to go visit, of course, and many of you have been there. But we spent uh, the balance of, with 42 of Sonny's relatives uh, on her, her side of the family, of course, Monday through Friday. And then on Friday, we, we got in the car and we drove seven hours to Jacksonville, North Carolina, home of Camp Lejeune the Marine Corps base there. Of course, I've never been there. And, of course, Jonathan Lord just bought a new house down there. Of course, Jonathan's getting transferred here, uh, down there, of course. And so we were able to see the new house on uh, Friday night and then Saturday. And I planned on going to church, quite frankly, in Jacksonville. wanted to meet the new pastor of the new church that they'll be attending there, the Maranatha Baptist Church. But I found out that the pastor was going to be out of town. He was on vacation. In fact, he was on vacation up in Massachusetts, of all things. And so I... I said, shucks, the pastor's not going to be there. And so in the meantime, of course, Brother Walt's uh, mother passed away, and I kind of felt bad because I didn't think we were going to be able to be at the funeral. And I says, you know, and so spur of the moment on Saturday, I says, you know what? If we get started, we'll forego. We get up several miles up the road, and uh, we'll do, start the 800-mile trek back home. And uh, so we did. We, we started spur of the moment to, to, to get, get moving forward, and we we stopped on a, in a certain town that I'm going to leave on name because it's, not a, it's a derogatory illustration that I'm about ready to enter into. We stopped at a certain city that if I were to name it, most everybody has heard of this city. And it's on I-95, and that's all I'll say. Don't ask me after service. I'm not going to impugn any further than that. But uh, we stopped at a certain city. Of course, got uh, a late dinner. Of course, this is Saturday night. And then, of course, we looked online for churches. We found two independent Baptist churches. And so we... We had time, it was still dusk, or still light out, of course, and we said, well, let's drive and see what these two churches look like and decide where we're going to go to church at in the morning. And so we drove to the one church, and I'm trying to be kind here, but uh, I, I pulled in the parking lot, I pulled in the front driveway, they had a gate across it, and uh, the sign was crooked, there was uh, weeds growing up all over the place, uh, the, uh, the parking lot was in disarray, and uh, they, had some, they had an old bus out there, broken down bus, and the building was decrepit, and I took one look at this building and said, in this church building, and I said, I don't think I want to go to church here. So he said, well, we got another church, and so we, we got, you know, we were in our car, and we drove the 10 minutes over to the other Baptist church, and almost, I told you it's not a redeeming illustration, but almost a, an exact replica, a building kind of falling apart. In fact, it wasn't kind of falling apart, it was falling apart. The parking lot was a mess, there was weeds all over. Now, I got up in my pride, and I said, you know what? I don't want to go to church here. Uh, if, if it's inside, it's like anything like the outside, I don't want to go. And, uh, and I was, I was uh, in my pride, I guess I was a little bit of offended. And I suppose I got to thinking, and a number of thoughts started running through my mind. I thought, you're a lousy Christian, speaking to myself. Maybe the inside, maybe the great preacher, hot-hearted people for God. They love the Lord, I'm sure. I don't want to think otherwise. But the buildings in both cases were very decrepit. And as I was developing my critical spirit, I started thinking about back home. The Lord has a way of doing that. And I, and I know you see the beautiful church. Most of the time people see our beautiful church building. 
And then we have a beautiful church building, beautiful grounds. We all know that. We all thank the Lord for that. But I start seeing all the problems at the house of God. I start seeing the, the, the weeds. I started thinking as I was thinking of the weeds in the other churches' parking lot, I was thinking of weeds in our parking lot. I was thinking of all the repair that needs to be done, the S's on signs that are falling off, and some of you say, I don't know what you're talking about. I notice it. You don't notice it, hopefully. I'm hoping you don't notice it. But I started saying the, the problems with, with our, our church facility as such, and I started to think about our physical house or our church. And uh, no longer, by the way, and this, I've always been, you know, curb appeal, front, the, the church ought to be the nicest looking church or the nicest looking uh, house of anybody in the, the, of the church family, of course. We ought to have a beautiful church facility, and we do. And our front curb appeal is overall fantastic, and it's really good. But we can always use some improvement, and ongoing maintenance needs to take place from, from time to time for sure. But going back to my critical spirit as I, as I was thinking about things, and thinking about these two churches, I was thinking in my pride, maybe it's my pride, personal pride, that I want to see everything looking great at the house of God. And this message is not on the upkeep of the building. I started to say, I came back from the vacation Tuesday, Wednesday, I developed a, a hit list of things that we need to fix up this fall and this uh, going forward, uh, ongoing maintenance. And then the Lord, uh, that Saturday night, Sunday morning, we got in the car, we drove another couple hours, and we ended up in tell you where we ended up in Fredericksburg, Maryland, or rather, excuse me, Fredericksburg, Virginia. We went to the Faith Baptist Church, Pastor Kurt Skelly. He was on vacation in Australia. And uh, when we were there, I didn't know he was on vacation. I wanted to hear him preach. And uh, they had a guest preacher, of course. And it was a great service, beautiful church. It was one of those mega churches, Bible College, Christian Day School, several hundred people to say the least. And the second service, a Japanese or Chinese service and a Spanish service and et cetera, and bus ministry and all of the trappings thereof, and of course. And uh, it was a great service, not because it was a mega church, but they, they had planned out. And yes, the building was beautiful on the outside and the message and the service was great on the inside. We're glad we went. But I got to thinking all this uh, Sunday, Saturday night transpired. And then Sunday morning transpired and we enjoyed our service together. And then we got on the road and we headed back to Connecticut here, of course. I said, you're more concerned about physical house maintenance, church maintenance, properties, nine and a half acres and, you know, 15,000, 16,000 square foot of building. You're more concerned about that than you are sometimes the spiritual house that we have. And I would likewise say to you that if we need ongoing maintenance at, at our physical houses or houses of God and our own physical houses, that we need... Likewise, we need a uh, spiritual house maintenance. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. You need not turn there, but 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5, deal with the fact that it says, For if we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 5, If so be that ye being clothed shall be found not be found naked. The application is that to be found naked, we, spiritually speaking, we cannot lose our salvation, but we can lose our rewards. We can lose our spiritual heritage and, and, and for all eternity for that matter. We can lose what the rewards that God wants to give us. The Bible does speak about rewards. And so I asked the question this morning, and let's bring it home to where we live, to where you live. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth. 
and through idleness of the hands, the house, your spiritual house, droppeth through. I want to deal this morning just a twofold message on how much more important it is to, to keep up your spiritual house or else your life will decay, drop through, and be destroyed. One more illustration before we begin the message proper. And I have to be careful with, even with Sonny's family. Of course, we had 42 of us that gathered together for the once every three year family reunion. It's only the second time we've done this, but we had a great time again. And uh, 42 of us were there. Of course, Sean and Jesse were not there. They just had a baby, and several other family members were not there. One particular part of the family was missing, and they were missing three years ago. And it was the, by their own analogy, they called themselves the black sheep or the person in the, the black sheep of the family. They like to be the odd man out, if you will. Well, they were not here again. Their children were not here. Their grandchildren were not here. And the fact of the matter is they didn't have enough money to even come to the vacation to begin with. And their, their life's a disaster. Their lives have been destroyed by drugs and alcohol and, and riotous living and gambling and all the rest. And they didn't have a chance to come to the family reunion because they didn't, weren't able to you know, afford it, of course. And their, their spiritual lives, 40 years forward from the time that they were teenagers, and I knew this person, obviously, nearly 40 years ago, their spiritual lives now, fast forward for 40 years, I've seen the results and the catastrophe of letting your spiritual house de- be depleted and be de- let it go decayed. So just twofold message, twofold outline this morning. First of all, ongoing neglect happens when just a, with just a little bit, just a little bit of sloth takes place. Just a little bit of sloth. The Bible says, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth. Turn maybe a dozen pages back in your Bible, if you would, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs 24, I want you to see these verses. They're repeated in chapter 6, but we'll turn to chapter 24 first. And I'll just reference chapter 6 of Proverbs 20, of Proverbs. And Proverbs 24, verse number 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo... It was all grown over with thorns and nettles and had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. I went by those churches and the stone sign, the, the, the metal sign actually was broken down. It was, it was bent over one church sign was actually on an angle. And it's like, you know, in 15 minutes we could straighten up that sign but they didn't bother doing that. There was weeds that were growing over. Their, their fences, if you will, were, were uh, in disarray. And uh, I can imagine what the inside, inside of the building might have looked like as well. The, the, the writer of the Proverbs said in verse 24, verse 32 of chapter 24, Then I saw and considered it well, and looked upon it and received instruction. Proverbs 24, 33. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little slothfulness, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come with one that travaileth. Thy want or thy lack as an armed man or as a thief. Proverbs 6, you need not turn there, but the Bible says, verse number 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. 
There's a time, and I would say it this way, there's ants are more intelligent than some Christians. They need to, they realize that they got to prepare for a rainy day. They got to realize that the winter's coming. They're, they spend more time working on their anthill than we do working on for the hill of God, if you will. They spend more time in their colony than Christians spend with other Christians and with their Christianity. Ants are, if I can say more intelligent, more, if I can use a slang, smarter than we are in some areas. The Bible says, consider the ant, thou sluggard. Which have no guide, no overseer, no ruler, provideth her meat in her summer, or in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, and when wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? And then verses 10 and 11 of Proverbs 6 are identical to Proverbs 24, verses 33 and 34. They say the same exact thing. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth. They want as an armed man. Just a little bit of laziness can have long-term and negative effects on your Christianity. I almost mentioned, almost, and uh, I tried once, once a summer to probably preach a message on this line. I almost entitled our message this morning, Summertime Slip. <laughs> Summertime Slip. Now, we have folks that are not within the sound of my voice this morning because they were on, on vacation for the last two weeks like I was. Now they're on vacation. <laughs> And I'm all for vacation. I've said that many times. And uh, I want you to have a vacation. And all God's people said, Amen. I want you to have two vacations. Amen. I want you to have three vacations. All right, let's not to push your luck here. I want you to have vacations. But I don't want you to vacate from God. Did you know, hey, let me give you a revelation. Did you know that summertime, are you ready for this? You may not know this. Summertime, are you ready? It's one-fourth of the entire year. It's 13 weeks. Last time I checked. And it's a summertime slip that happens. Every veteran pastor knows this. Attendance is all across America. I mean, this is not germane to Harvest Baptist Church or to New England. This is all over the country and for that matter, all over the world. Summertime is a time where the downsizing is the smallest attendances of churches in America and around the world, I would say as well. It just is. Many churches close down their, their Sunday schools in summertime. Many Close down their Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and so forth because it's the lowest attendance crowds of the year because everybody's on vacation. They're, 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 they're vacating from God. They're vacating from church attendance. I have no problem with you going on vacation. I've said it a thousand times. But when you go on vacation, get in the house of God. When you go on vacation, say it again with me. Get in the house of God. And we, by the way, we thoroughly enjoyed our two weeks. The first Sunday we were with... Uh, uh, Tim and Linda Butler, of course, in Virginia, and, and thoroughly enjoyed the preaching and the church service, of course, on the Sunday school and so forth at their church in Bassett, Virginia. And then, of course, last Sunday, as I mentioned, in Fredericksburg, Virginia, of course. Get in the house of God. Just a little bit of sloth, a little bit of time out. What happens to our kids in the summertime? Well, it's summertime vacation. It's camp. It's this. It's that. It's the other thing. It's parties. It's weekend get-togethers and so forth. And Time for all the festivities, but we just get a little bit lazy, a little bit slothful. By much slothfulness, the, the house decayeth, or the building decayeth. But I want you to notice not only a little bit of slothfulness is detrimental to your household, spiritual household maintenance, but just a little bit of sin, letter B on our worksheet, Go back, if you're back in Ecclesiastes, notice chapter 9, verse number 3. Long verse, we'll pick it up in the middle of it. 
Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3. It says, Yea, also the, hearts, uh, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Just a little bit of sin. At the last, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Sin, the wages of sin is death. Sin has consequences. Sin separates us from God. Sin is an offense to the cross. It's an offense to Christ himself. We, we say, the Bible says in the Minor Prophets, the, the little foxes spoil the vine. Well, we can just have a little bit of sin. It won't hurt us too much. I, uh, many of you know evangelist John Getch. Enough years have gone by, I can use the illustration. Brother Getch used to use an illustration of a preacher that I knew and he knew going back almost 40 years ago when I was in Bible college. And uh, I met this preacher, in fact, well, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and say I almost worked for this preacher. But it didn't work out because before I was able to work for this preacher, he was, had a good testimony, and Brother John Getch used him in illustrations as a man of God, a servant of God, but then he fell into egregious, very despicable sin, quite frankly, and destroyed his life, destroyed his church, destroyed his family, destroyed his marriage. I don't know where he's at today. But you know what? He ran a good race for a number of years. And one little besetting sin that caught him and bit him destroyed he and destroyed many people, I'm sure, in his church and many people in his life and even his family to this day, as far as I know. Just a little bit of sin. Look at chapter 10, verse number 1. You know, sin stinks. Did you know that? Spiritually speaking and sometimes literally speaking. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth, notice the verbiage again, a little folly, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. He that would have a reputation of wisdom and honor, he that would be, have a great testimony. A little folly, a little bit of sin can destroy, go a long ways. The Bible says one sinner destroyeth much good. Just a little bit of sin can hurt you big time. Hurt you for days and weeks and years and even a lifetime ahead. And hurt your posterity as well. It's a little house maintenance. Stay away from those little sins. Stay away from the sloth that's so easily, so easy to get lazy, especially in the summertime and, and not working on our spiritual house. But then let her see a detriment to our household maintenance, spiritually speaking, of course, the detriment of uh, just a little bit of self. A little bit of self. The preacher, of course, sought out wise words, the Bible says. I'm referring to Ecclesiastes now. We believe that the preacher was none other than Solomon. He was the wisest man on the earth, but he married a thousand women. You know the story. He was the wisest man on earth, but he let riches get to him. He was the wisest man on earth, but he began to be made education and rather intelligence as God. And we read over and over and over again in these 12 chapters, vanity of vanities, all, all, all is vanity, save the preacher. But Solomon began to seek himself. The Bible says in Proverbs or Philippians 2, verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I have a tendency to seek my own. Uh, I think I have, and I'm going to 
impugn myself like I do many times from the pulpit. I'm going to do it again here. I have a sin that I think is probably greater than most of your sins or in regards to, or in this particular sin venue. I like nice things. I've said that for many years. You name it, if it's nice, I like it. I mean, I like nice as opposed to not nice. You know what I'm saying? I like rich opposed to poor. I like uh, beauty instead of non-beauty and so forth. So in my house, my fiscal house, I want a nice house. I want a house that's well kept up. I want a nice yard. I, I don't want to have weeds in my yard. I don't want to have, I want to have flowers in my flower bed. I don't want to have weeds. I want to have my house right now needs uh, uh, power spraying. The back end is just disgusting. It needs power spraying. And my deck it hasn't been stained in 15 years. And it's, it's fallen apart. I need to put stain on my deck. But this all takes time and money. And I want to keep up with the Joneses. And sometimes, every once in a while, and dawned on me again this week, even preparing for this message, Sometimes it's, it dawns on me that, there, I put on my glasses, I can read my notes, there we go. Sometimes it dawns on me that someday I'm going to run out of life. And my house is still going to be dirty, still need power washing. The deck's still going to need stained. And the weeds are still going to need to be pulled. But one day there's going to be a time when, day when time is no more. And I'm all for Fixing up my house, my physical house. And I'm all for, for fixing up our physical selves. I'm all for that, believe it or not. But I'm not for it in, at the expense of letting our spiritual house go by the wayside. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 59, and I paraphrase, three disciples, would-be disciples came to the Lord, and the second one said to the Lord, the Lord said to him, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me, Old English. Allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus gave a, what we might consider a smart answer. He said, let the dead bury the dead, but come and follow me. A third disciple came and said to the Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at, my home, at, at, are at home at my house. I have to be careful here. With 34 years of pastoring, I got some case studies and got some evidence. We have some members of our church that are very delinquent, they only come once or twice a year, and they're members of our, this assembly. And some, I hope they don't listen to the podcast, but some I've seen now, what the effects of 20, 30 years, they're, they're going to get their family in order. They're going to take care of their family needs, and then they're going to start serving God. They get it all backwards. Their, 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 their spiritual maintenance of their house is they're all about self and nothing about the Savior. They're all about sin. Just a little bit of sin, not a lot of sin, just a little bit of sin. Oh, I wanted to say, I forgot this illustration. I want to fit it in real quickly here. Back to the little bit of sin illustration. So my kids went to Las Vegas. Did you hear that one? You know, so Keith, Keith got an award at uh, Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas for one of the top 100 healthcare workers in America. So he and Kristen were out there and they had the big presentation and Jonathan Lohr went out there. I'd never been to Las Vegas except for 12 hours and I was on the outskirts. I never saw the, the strip as it's called. But there's a nickname for Vegas. It's called, how did you know that? Some of you have been there. Some of you have been to Atlantic City, I'm sure. Sin City it's called. So my kids said, Dad, Vegas was, there's actually a good part of Vegas Good, good sections of Vegas, of course, but there's some sin there for sure. 
But then they went to, Keith and Kristen, then they went to San Francisco. Now, I'm not trying to pick on California. I'm just telling you, I'm just reporting what they said. They were in San Francisco for a day and a half, two days, and they said San Francisco was 10 times worse than Vegas. I was in San Francisco 12, 13 years ago, but it's, uh, it's falling apart, and there's homelessness, and there's, there's rats in the streets, and there's human feces, pardon me, and there's drugs, and there's needles, and there's uh, homosexuality rampant and open and front of everybody, but it's, it's inclusive. Everybody loves San Francisco, supposedly, and I'm being facetious. It's a little bit of sin, a little bit about the me society, me, a little bit of self, a little bit of sloth. We'll let somebody else, we'll kick the can down the road, we'll take care of things later, let's have fun now. You're a spiritual house by much slothfulness of building decayeth and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. Well, we see the, the ongoing neglect of what happens with a little bit of sloth, a little bit of self, a little bit of sin. But then notice with me, if you could, for just a few moments here, turn to Psalm 63. I want you to see this first. Psalm 63 How to maintain your spiritual house involves just three things this morning I want to give you. Psalm 63 and verse number one says these words. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Certainly, the Bible says, early will I seek thee. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, remember thou thy creator in the days of thy youth. It's good for children to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and at an early age begin to seek the Lord. But not only early in life, but early in the day. You need not turn there, but Proverbs 5 and verse number 3 will suffice. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer and will look up. I would suggest to you that there should be a daily seeking if you want to maintain your spiritual house or you want to shore up your spiritual well-being of your house. A daily seeking of the Lord. A daily devotional time, a daily time where you put God first in your life and you, you get to know him. You read his Bible a little bit every day. You notice I said a little bit every day. You don't have to read the whole book of Genesis on the uh, first time you sit down and read your Bible after a long time of not reading it. Read a little bit every day. Pray a little bit every day. Start it off in the morning. Pray a little bit and seek God first. I met God in the morning when my day was at its best. And his presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long, the presence lingered. All day long, he stayed with me. And we sailed in perfect calmness o'er a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to drive them brought to us a peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mind. When I, too, had loosed the moorings with the presence left behind. So I think I, now I know the secret. Learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. You want to have your spiritual maintenance shored up. You want to have your, your spiritual houses falling apart. Go back to seeking him every day. A little bit every day. And start off in the morning. Morning and evening and noon will I pray and cry aloud and lift up my voice. Pastor Palmer gave the illustration yesterday morning in our men's prayer time about the Muslims. He grew up in 
India, of course, a large segment of Hindus, but a, a pretty large minority of Muslims. And they pray five times a day to their pagan god. They're very strict in their adherence to their pagan uh, god that doesn't exist, Allah, who is uh, uh, an idol, of course. But the Bible says that we are to, if we want to maintain our spiritual house, that we need to have a daily seeking, seeking of his word. Acts 17.11 says that those of Maria were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they sought the word daily to see whether these things be so. So make a daily seeking. But then letter B, how do we avoid, how do we shore up and maintain our spiritual house? Letter B, by daily sacrificing. A daily sacrificing. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye, help me out, but seek ye what? Seek ye on occasion. Seek ye when you feel like it. Seek ye second. Seek ye if you have time. Seek ye if everything else is going okay. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Daily sacrificing. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, the second last verse of the book says these words. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. A daily sacrificing. The Bible says where we, we on purpose offer the sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Psalm 145 verse 2 says, Every day will I bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. You've got to make on purpose. You've got to decide on purpose you're going to make your sacrifice to God. I think Sunday mornings, I think it's a sacrifice to God. I think sometimes, and I don't raise your hand on this one, but I've ever asked the question, how many wanted to come to church this morning? A lot of hands would go up, they don't raise your hand. But if I said, how many didn't want to come to church? Don't raise your hand. But if I were to ask you, how many didn't want to come to church, didn't feel like coming to church this morning? If you're honest, I think some hands would raise up. And some hands raised up. <laughs> We have to come out of duty. We have to come when we don't feel like it. That's how you go to work, isn't it? When you don't feel like it. That's how you go to school when you don't feel like it. You better go to school. And so there's a daily seeking, a daily sacrifice. And then I want you to notice, thirdly, how to maintain your spiritual house. There's a daily striving. A daily striving. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, let me read you two, two verses. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, we plead with you, we're begging you, we're imploring you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're exhorting you and admonishing you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. More like the master I would ever be. More of his love, more humility. We have to work at this thing about serving the Lord, striving together to serve the Lord. Philippians 3, 14, 13 and 14, Paul said at the end of his life, he said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I've alluded, uh, and I allude again to the fact that I'm, uh, I'm getting older, and I find out it's harder to 
serve the Lord. It's just as hard to serve the Lord now in my age than I'm at than it was 10, 10 years ago or 10, 20 years ago. It's even harder in many respects, it seems like, to serve the Lord. The bones don't work as fast and the, the legs don't work as fast and the ears don't hear as well and the eyes don't see as well and on and on they could go. Like, keep on working at this thing. Keep on striving. Keep on determining to live for, live for God the best that I can. And... That leads me to three bullet points. I want to just, as we summarize our message this morning on our spiritual maintenance of our spiritual houses, our earthly tabernacles, I want to submit to you this morning that we need to keep on building and keep on battling. Keep on building and keep on battling. Three, three sub-points or three bullet points. Number one, build on the right slab. Build on the right slab. I had to have an S so there's slab. Build on the right foundation, Amen. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Psalm 127, verse 1. I almost always use this if you've been counseled by me, especially if you've been in marriage counseling with me. You will almost always start off the same exact verse every single time. Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You see, on Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We have to have the right foundation. Let me ask you, have you put your foundation not in your church membership, not in church confirmation, not in your, your church attendance, not in your good works, but have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been, as Jesus said in the news, have you been born again? As your feet on the solid rock, and on the rock and the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, He is salvation by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. You want to build your life right? You got to begin with staying on the rock, staying on the slab, staying with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then, bullet point number two: how to start again with your spiritual maintenance of your earthly tabernacle. Build with others, build your life, build your spiritual house with other like-minded saints. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another and provoke one another to love and to good works. You know what I'm doing right now? For the last 34 minutes now, I've been trying to provoke you to love and to good works. I've been trying to stir you up. I mentioned this at the outside of the message. I might step on your spiritual toes. I'm trying to encourage you, stay with, the, stay with the Savior, stay with the saints. Let me spell it out in case you say you're missing the point. Get in a good local church and stay there. That was an amen point. Let me try it again. Get in a good local church and stay there. Amen. amen. That was much better. Thank you. I, I, I had to prod you there. There's no perfect local church. Certainly this one is not. We all know that. We're all flawed individuals, and you bring two flawed individuals together, and you've got problems. Bring 150 or whatever flawed individuals together, you've got a lot of problems. But the local church is still God's institution to win the world to Christ, and he commands us to assemble ourselves together and not forsake this matter or assembling together as a matter of some is. Don't get away from the house of God. Stay in God's house. Stay with like-minded saints, hot-hearted saints that love the Lord. Don't be with those cool-hearted saints and say, hey, it doesn't matter. No, you want to build your spiritual house. You don't want your house to fall in disrepair and decay and have your offspring go, go the way of the devil. 
then build on the right slab, the right foundation. Build, on, build with the right-minded saints. But thirdly, battle with and keep a sharp sword. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Don't tune me out, I'm almost done. But I just got done reading Nehemiah, well, a little while back, a few couple weeks ago, whatever it was. And they, they, they worked with a spade and a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other hand. You know the story. And they did what Jerusalem could do for 140-some years, 145 years. They did in 56 days. They banded together and they worked with their, their spear, or their, their trowel and their, their shovels and their rakes. And they, they battled with their sword as well. And keep a sharp sword. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit in the joints of marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank God for the word of God that cuts the spiritual surgery, that cuts our hearts and mends us and, and, and causes us to want to serve him. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I was there and I, I, I closed with this way, way, way I started this, this, the message minutes ago. I went to the two churches on Saturday night. They were broken down, decaying. And I was fearful that inside wasn't much different. So we went to a church. and we, It was a great church, good preaching, good message. And I, I turned to Sonny and I turned to my daughter and Laura and I says, boy, that was refreshing. That was great to be in the house of the Lord. I needed that. It was one of the best services I've been in in months and months of time. Oh, it's so good to get around God's people. So good to get around the sword of the word of God. It's so good to uh, be reminded of our sure foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. How to keep our spiritual house. So, hey, build up. Let's, just, let's keep the house of God beautiful. I'm talking about the physical house, physical church plant. Let's keep your house beautiful and, and uh, you might say, and oh me, I say, oh me, oh my. It's a lot of work to do. But more than that, let's work on our spiritual house maintenance, be what God has called us to be. And all God's people said, and Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, it's been a friendly crowd this morning like it normally is most every Sunday morning. Lord, I want to believe that almost everybody in this room, Lord, loves you. Lord, if we were honest, though, we would all admit, though, Lord, even though we love you, we could love you and we should love you more. You deserve our best. We humble ourselves. I pray that you might work, Lord. And may we see, as Lord, and sometimes our physical pride as we see our physical houses decay and maybe our church houses need some repair. And we get upset and worked up about that. How much more we should be upset and worked up about the spiritual decay of our earthly tabernacles in our life that we live for you that are not living for you, we pray. Lord, have your will and way in our midst, Lord. As the writer said, Robert Robertson said, come thou font of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. In this invitation time we ask, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand 507 days, we'll sing all three verses.